You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, April 26th. As always, I am your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, and Off the Bench Baseball, or my more pop culture entertainment side of things at places like Nerdist, Mental Floss, Inverse, Bloody Disgusting, Film Cred, and many more, and hopefully many more to come. Of this here Lockdown Padres podcast, though, you can check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres for all the funny memes you can ask for and some of the updates on the show or my personal account, which is at Javapeno. And that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, where not only do you get the memes, but you also get some memes and dreams as well. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. And for today's episode, we are doing a more, I guess, because a lot of things happened this weekend that we got to talk about. So I don't want to do the simple game recaps. I want to take away a kind of more organized version of this podcast that you guys might not be used to from your boy. You're used to him just rambling and then going along and making up ideas as he goes. But instead, I'm going to be talking about my three main, main takeaways from this weekend series, Padres v. Dodgers Part 2, that it was. And it was an incredible series. It really was. Actually, so incredible that I actually think that I have to have four takeaways this time from this series because it was just that nuts. And there were four games that were played after all. So let's get into it guys let's start with my first takeaway from the weekend don't worry i'll still be kind of recapping the games a little bit as i discuss this first takeaway that i want to talk about is it's a simple one and that's that you darvish has quietly been back i mean not back back isn't even the right way to almost say it because he was already really good it's just that it feels like some people some people were Getting a little lukewarm on him for this season. It, it, I honestly feel like this because he is 34 and he's been in the league for a while and he's had he had that one bad year with the Cubs, that first year, that's kind of clouded people's judgment almost where some people think all of a sudden, oh, I don't know, what if he just starts falling off at some point? That clearly isn't the case, guys. On Friday's victory in which the Padres won 6-1, to one, Yu Darvish's numbers were excellent. He goes seven innings, giving up one run on four hits, walking three, striking out nine, very similar to his previous performance against the Dodgers, where he went seven innings, giving up only one run on one hit, and walking two and striking out nine. Through all the starts this season, and even that first start against Arizona, which I thought was, like, at times he looked great, and yeah, the, the Diamondbacks happened to hit him when he went four and two-thirds, giving up four runs and eight hits, but the strikeouts all looked good. Like, you could see the movement, the vertical movement on each of his pitches, including his fastball. Really good stuff, even in his first start, in my opinion, even if the stat line didn't support it in the end. And then ever since then, Yu Darvish has gone six innings, and he hasn't allowed more than four hits in a game or more than one run in a game. Yes, he walks some guys every now and then. He doesn't have that perfect clean record, but still been absolutely phenomenal. And he's just so breathtaking to watch. So that's kind of my half one, I guess. I said I had four takeaways for this weekend. This one's a half one because it's not really like if you were if you were worried about Darvish or kind of questioning him, I honestly think that that's bullshit. Like I don't I honestly think that you were 
completely overreacting to that first series. He is a legitimate ace. I think everybody agreed that he was a legitimate ace, but some people, some people I know, think that Blake Snell is better, and I do not think that that is the case, and it's definitely not been supported the way he's performed this year. While I still have a lot of faith in Snell, him not going farther into games, while Darvish just comes out two consecutive starts against the Dodgers. He ends up getting the win, whatever that means, against the Dodgers this time versus last time when Kershaw was just a little bit better and the Padres' offense was still in a little bit of that that um, middle of that slump that they were in. Um, but still, you Darvish, awesome, and I mean, we're lucky to have him. Absolutely lucky to have him, and it's amazing that they got him for not too much in actuality. So very excited about that. But the real first takeaway I have from this weekend is another pitcher. All right, and his name is Ryan Weathers. And what my takeaway is, is this. Ryan Weathers might be playing himself into a potential rotation spot. And here's the thing. Denelson Lamette, it was announced that he is expected to go on the IL, but he's expected to actually, they, they hope that he'll be back after the 10 days are up. Now, of course, you guys know me. I do not t- trust the Padres. The reason I was upset on last week's podcast was more of the fact that all these injuries seem to be surrounding this team. All sorts of people are getting hurt, and I just don't trust anything heading out of the team, and it makes me worried constantly. Even Tatis, who we will certainly be getting to later. But with Lamette's injury, you know, there's some questions about who's going to fill in for him if he ends up having to get some Tommy John surgery or what have you. We'll have to see how that next start goes. But for now, let me tell you, Ryan Weathers, the kid, uh, great start against the Dodgers. Once again, the Padres in a position where they needed Ryan Weathers to step up big when they have their bullpen kind of shot, when they have their starters kind of shot, and they have to start Ryan Weathers in this case, and he performs yet again against the Dodgers, going five and two-thirds innings, giving up no runs, only one hit and one walk, and striking out six against this very dangerous Dodgers lineup. Very good yet again from a guy that a lot of people weren't talking about as this kind of rookie heading into this season. He made his debut in the playoffs basically last year, which was a little surprising for some people, and he performed admirably there. And in spring training, the Padres were clearly very excited about him, uh, kind of monitoring some of his control issues and just performing better, and he ended up making the team, obviously. And in his last start against the Dodgers, he went three and two-thirds. Also, he did not give up a run in that one, only giving up one hit. So far in all his appearances this season, he's only allowed four hits across... 15 and a third's innings, only a total of one given up, uh, one earned run given up on the season so far. Impressive stuff. And remember, he's also young, 22 years old, and he was a top draft pick back in 2018, first round pick, uh, the seventh overall pick in the 2018 draft. Um, so he might be one of those guys that we were overlooking, and we often do because the Padres have so many interesting farm system type pieces. They have all these guys, you know, you got Abrams and Gore and formerly Luis Patino and Luis Campizano, who has been a little bit of a disaster so far, but that's because he's just simply not ready. He really isn't. Um, never really batted above A-ball, which I've said ad nauseum at this point on the podcast, so I'm not, uh, and I don't think people have been super critical of him. The only reason he's on the team right now is because Nola's injured. But, yeah, I am very curious to see what happens um, the more uh, Ryan Weathers gets opportunities. Because so far he's impressing. He impressed in spring training. He's impressing now. So I'd be very curious to see, depending on what happens with Denelson Lamette, whether Ryan Weathers kind of becomes one of those fixtures in the rotation. He might be. Unless, of course, uh, AJ probably being the madman that he is, decides to trade him, like, tomorrow for some superstar pitcher. Who knows? But for now, at least, Ryan Weathers definitely deserves a look. Uh, has been quietly like a, dare I say, almost like a rookie of the year contender? Gotta be in, like, the top ten at least, right? 
just based on how he's performed so far, at least maybe not rookie of the year contender, but just in terms of just impressive rookies, uh, he's got to be in like the top 10, right? I know. Yeah, I think he's got to be. I don't know. But I would love to hear your guys' uh, thoughts on that. But before we get into my second main takeaway uh, from this weekend series, guys, I need to talk to you about some really cool stuff. And the first thing is 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. That's right. You see what they did there? 10 designers, 10 rings. <laughs> and they're sure to bring joy into someone's life, guys. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring. Ideal for engagement, a Mother's Day, or just a gift, whatever, or a conversation piece, whatever you want. They're the perfect way to bring joy, my friends. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring that your special someone will treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. And now, guys, got to talk to you about BetOnline.ag. That's right, guys. Betting is is crazy, man. Betting is an absolute wild ride. But bet online, it's the fastest and easiest way to do all of your betting on all of your sports action from the NBA to the NHL and even to, of course, obviously, Major League Baseball. And bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. We just had the Oscars yesterday. Truly a tragic ending, I must say. You, you, you work the show, you move it around, and you decide, let's present... Best Picture, second to last, happens to be a movie uh, directed by a woman of color, of course. Okay, so it's going second to last now. All right, all right I get it. They're going to do their big moment for Chadwick Boseman. That, that makes Okay, that makes sense. And instead of Anthony Hopkins Woods, who I'm sure is a very deserving, great actor, and then he isn't even at the show. So the show awkwardly ends with uh, just a still picture of Anthony Hopkins. Good job, Oscars. Once again. Uh, showing that you are absolutely hashtag Oscars are whack is something I've been trying to get trending for a while. But anyway, guys, enough of the Oscars. Oh my God, sorry. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Hopefully, you didn't lose any money on those stupid Oscar awards. But Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember to use the promo code Locked On when doing so. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And one last thing, guys. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. Get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft April 29th to May 1st. You won't want to miss it. And uh, now let's get into my second main takeaway from this season. We talked about Ryan Weathers and the little thing with you, Darvish, but the next main takeaway I want to discuss is, you know what? No, I'm going to do them right now. It's why you guys tune into this podcast half the time. It's why people like talking about the Padres half the time, guys. That's right. Fernando Tatis Jr. My second takeaway is this. The injury, at least for now, It doesn't seem to be impacting his play on the field. Tatis heading into this series against the Dodgers. His splits were 154, 267, 333 with two home runs and a 600 OPS. That's not good, especially for him. 
He was striking out a lot, not necessarily coming up big with RBIs when the team needed him to in big kind of uh, opportunities, which in fairness is the story of the entire Padres team. So that's not exclusive to him. That's a little bit unfair on my part, but definitely exclusive to him also is his defense, making a lot of errors. I think he had like four errors in two games or something like that at one point. It was something crazy. And, uh, you know, that's something to, to monitor for sure. But in terms of the bat guys, after this Dodgers series, his now his slash line is 246, 338 with a slugging percentage of 632. How about that with seven home runs, a 970 OPS? That's right. He hit five home runs in th- a three-day stretch, absolutely on fire, including two that were against Mr. Trevor Bauer, uh, which has been talked about a lot online. The pettiness, the beef uh, felt real. It was very fun. And just quick thoughts on that. Um, baseball needs more of this. Baseball needs more of this. That's another one of my takeaways. It was the, you know, Tatis was trolling Trevor Bauer after the first home run with the the covering one eye thing, which, of course, is in reference to back during spring training when Bauer was closing one eye, trying to pitch allegedly because he was trying to work out his focus. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a command exercise for him, which I found to be a little weird, a little bit of a self-aggrandizing way to go about trading in the uh, off-season and spring training games. But nonetheless, he did do it. And then in one incident, which is what really uh, started calling him a clown on Twitter, uh, was people uh, after he hit somebody when he was closing one eye with a pitch. So everyone was like, oh my God, come on, dude. Just pitch regularly. Throw it like... The way to practice, I feel like, in spring training is to throw a pitch that you never throw. You know what I mean? Throw stuff that you might be experimenting with. Not not like closing one eye. Like, what what, what is going on there? But anyway, whatever. Hey, I'm not the professional athlete here. And then on the second home run, which was talked about, John Boy did a video on it where it looks like Tatis saw the sign that the catcher was throwing. And it was this outside pitch that somehow Tatis got hold of and launched out of the park. Look, even if Tatis did see the sign... Bottom line is, first of all, players do it all the time. That's the okay way. Like, people steal signs. This isn't rare. You know what I mean? This isn't like the Astros thing. So before people start bringing that up, relax. Um, and I didn't have a, I didn't mind uh, Bauer kind of make it quick, taking a quick jab at him. I didn't mind him being like, oh, yeah, that's right. Come on, man. If you're going to look at what pitch I'm throwing next, you know, uh, just ask me and Daddy will uh, will send it to you. The mistake he made, of course, was saying Daddy because then Tatis responded with that beautiful Photoshop of him holding a child. And then whichever Bauer's face Photoshopped. Um, but bottom line is that pitch wasn't that bad and Tatis somehow took it out so I think Trevor Bauer he would tell you in private he's like look I don't know how the hell he got that you know <laughs> I don't know I mean it's there's one thing to get a single or even a double out of that but a, a home run unbelievable stuff um, and then on his way home uh, to home base he did a little stutter step uh, on his way to third base and then when he got home he did that little um, shuffle type of thing, that little, I don't know what's it called, the McGregor's, the strut, there we go, that's the right word, the McGregor strut after he crossed home plate for a little bit, conspiracy theory on my part, I actually think Tatis just got a little caught up at the moment, I don't think he meant to make fun of Bauer a second time with the with the McGregor strut, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, I don't know, I think halfway through he kind of realized he didn't want to do it maybe, but that's just me, uh, bottom line, it was really exciting, I was fully uh, fine with Trevor Bauer, and honestly, you know, people were using that meme, the the heartbreaking, uh, the worst person you know made a great point when it came to Trevor Bauer after the game, who, to his credit, was like, look, I think it's incredibly, just to paraphrase some of the things that he was saying, it's a four-minute type of uh, press conference video uh, when he answers this question, where he was like, yeah, I don't mind all that stuff, like, you know, I think it's soft when guys get mad at other players for celebrating, um, for hitting home runs or whatever off of them, you know, and I think that 
I said this before the preseason. I was like, I think Trevor Bauer's comments last year, he was one of those people that supported Tatis after the 3-0 incident. I thought it was legit. I was like, I actually think that this guy means it when he says, like, we need to make our sport more exciting. If him, And by the way, if McGregor strikes out, or McGregor, let me see what happens. If Trevor Bauer strikes out Tatis three times and the next time he faces him, he can do his little strut thing too. It's fine. Guys, you're allowed to celebrate, and God forbid, you know, just talk some shit. You know, you're allowed to do that. And I think that uh, Bauer is right, and I think that it was legit. I always thought he wasn't going to be the one to start a fight if there was a fight between these two teams in terms of him throwing at people. I think he very much is against that. And since he's on record against it, we all know one thing, guys. Trevor Bauer doesn't want to, like, ruin his brand, and, he, and he's very much uh, aware of his public image and cares about his public image, so he's not going to throw at anybody after, you know, allowing a home run or whatever, and that guy celebrated a little bit too much. He knows what it would do for him in terms of his kind of press. But anyway, enough on that whole Trevor Bauer thing, which I said was going to be a short talk, but nevertheless, here we go. It was kind of the story. Um, Tatis, here's my thing. There were some people who were saying, ah, oh, Tatis, he doesn't look the same ever since that injury. This is kind of the cliche thing we all do. Whenever someone's struggling and comes off an injury, we just automatically assume that they're still playing hurt or whatever. And my takeaway was this. It's like, well, he also wasn't performing well before then. I mean, he, he had a kind of a bad uh, start to the season, both with his defense and his offense. And my thing was, let's not use the sample size to judge whether or not he's going to be good on the field. My take is he could still be very good. Maybe even a 75% version of Tatis is still going to be awesome. And my fear is more, is it possible that this thing swinging on a, on a strike in the dirt or whatever, that he could just pull that shoulder again and be gone. That is a true concern. But in terms of whether it's going to impact him on the field, I'm not saying it won't. I'm just saying using the like five game stretch where he was performing poorly after coming off of the the IL where basically he just had that one home run in his first game back against uh, Clayton Kershaw. Aside from that, like didn't do anything. I thought that everybody overreacting and assuming that he's playing hurt was a little bit uh, misguided and unfair. And as you can see now, he seems to be fully back. Still very nervous. Let me make that clear, everybody. I'm still very nervous that maybe the shoulder injury can pop up at any time. But again, if it does, I hope that it's just not a long-term thing. And if he's, if God forbid he's out for the season, that that's it. We don't have to worry about something that's going to impact him for years down the line. But bottom line, man, he absolutely owned this weekend. Uh, just crazy stuff. He hits the home runs yesterday, uh, and everybody's just losing their mind. It was one of those things where everybody's losing their mind. He's on fire, even stealing some bases. He's got four stolen bases on the year. The Padres, that was another thing. Uh, back to their base-stealing ways. Uh, Will Myers had three steals on uh, Saturday's game, so that was really nuts. Like the, They're running all over the place, running all over the place. Um, and hopefully they can keep it up. Hopefully he can iron out the kinks in his defensive, uh, lackluster defensive uh, display so far. Very bad. He leads the uh, major leagues in errors. He has nine already. Very bad. Very bad for Tatis. But bottom line, love to have him. So happy he's on this Padres team, man. And it's great. What can I say? Shout out to you, Mr. James Shields. Very much appreciate you. Uh, but now, guys, let me take another quick break before we get into my last takeaway uh, from the weekend. I got to talk to you about Built Bar. Let me tell you. I mean, Tatis is the sweetest thing. He is the coolest thing imaginable. But right behind him, I would say are the Built Bars, the greatest tasting protein bars on the planet, guys. Covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew with a plethora 
of different flavors, guys, ranging from caramel brownie and lemon almond cheesecake to coconut mint brownie, salted caramel, peanut butter, banana bread, birthday cake, coconut brownie chunk, which won the Built Bar Madness bracket from last month. It is, man, that thing is awesome. They really do taste like candy bars. They're super delicious. And, of course, like I said, they're protein bars, so they're healthy for you. They're great for the keto diet thanks to high fiber, high protein, low sugar, and a low amount of calories. So, guys, what are you waiting for? Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your next order remember that is promo code locked 15 for 15% off at builtbar.com and now guys one last thing before we close this thing kind of out with my last takeaway of this from uh, this weekend series the ultimate mock draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey is happening now, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lycanfora, and Brian Ballinger, our local experts for every team. They were making trades and all sorts of things. They did a live whole thing. You can go check that out. It was a great, uh, super high production production. Uh, it was really it was really high production production. I'm losing my mind today. Uh, search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, guys, on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you that's a u d a c y odyssey awesome stuff guys and now my last takeaway from this weekend series it's a little bit of a ugh, i know don't don't do the moan it's a little bit of a narrative one and that's this the sport of baseball it is still baseball i've said this before and here's what i mean by that it shows you how quickly in a 162 game season the momentum can change Let's keep in mind, we get absolutely murked by the Milwaukee Brewers, who, granted, I think are actually a pretty decent team. I think they are they give me 2017-2016 Mets vibes, which, I mean, those, those teams weren't necessarily good, but they were similar in the sense that they had some awesome, awesome pitching and some kind of lackluster offense. In this case, with the Brewers, Brandon Woodruff, and especially Corbin Burns, who looks like the front runner for the Cy Young in the NL right now, just absolutely broken that guy right now just truly broken I've already talked about him on the show and how we kind of should have known he was going to be good and the only reason we didn't project him higher for this season is because he doesn't have that name brand yet and yeah the Padres get shut down by them swept by them in fact so everyone's wondering you know what's going on with the offense you have really unfortunate plays where Billy McKinley robs Will Myers of what would have been like a an RBI double and just Really poor performance, and Tatis doesn't look the same, and it's just bad all across the board. And then you have the Lamette injury on top of all that. Just really, really tough stuff, right? And all of a sudden, Thursday rolls by, and they get three out of four against the Dodgers, giving them a 4-3 series lead over them this season. And it was in Dodger Stadium uh, on top of that, which is arguably the best part about this whole thing. And they come through. Tatis rakes, obviously. We just talked about him. Manny Machado, Trent Grisham end up doing some things and they just look dominant basically on every facet of their team with the exception of Tatis's defense kind of I'd say and Neil Ramirez who absolutely implodes in yesterday's game uh, against the Dodgers which was a game for the ages by the way Neil Ramirez giving up um, five runs on five hits uh, he'll, he goes only an inning obviously but gets completely torched but I'll say this also this Dodgers series all year and I would have said this even if I promise you Jeff Snyder if you're listening I really would have said this even if the Padres had lost last night and the series was 4-3 even if whatever game they have to lose bottom line is this series has lived up to the hype in every discernible aspect 
Obviously, I'm hyped by the Padres' comeback uh, win last night. They trailed 7-1 entering the seventh inning over the last 50 seasons. Teams trailing by six-plus runs entering the seventh inning have gone 113,547. Win percentage of 0.007%. Teams this season are 0-49 and when trailing by 6-plus entering the 7th inning. And then they, of course, tied it and ended up winning it. Really great stuff. And according to that was according to ESPN Stats and Info. And according to Stats by Stats, tonight the Padres became the first team to win. Tonight, as in yesterday, obviously. Became the first team to win a game despite being on the road, facing a team with a 700-plus win percentage. Trailing by six-plus runs and in the seventh inning or later, since the Giants did so against the 50-21 and 21 Cubs at Wrigley on July 9th, 1918. So that's just how, look, I know baseball stats can get super wordy and ridiculous, and you could find a stat for nearly, hey, people named Kevin who bat from the right side out of three of their at-bats, even though they batted four times or batting 400 against starting pitchers who are coming off Tommy John surgery. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, they could be like that sometimes with their stats, but bottom line is it was an incredible comeback and for it to go down the way it did just so exciting in that top of the ninth inning that starts out with Victor Caratini getting a single Luis Campiazano you know struggling he flies out again Tatis getting a single Grisham getting a single I mean come on man Grisham's getting a single to score somebody and then Manny getting a single uh Manny Machado ends up also stealing second Mr. No Hustle uh, of course they end up not being able to take the lead and then the game ends up going all the way to the top of the 11th inning with Hosmer uh, who's been one of the best hitters actually probably the best hitter in terms of uh runners on base and bringing guys home for the Padres this season and he has been the clutch guy for sure. And every single game, with the exception of Thursday's game, which I just talked about, which was fun for us Padres fans that they won 6-1, uh, because of you, Darvish's dominant performance. Every single game has been super close and just super exciting. The 3-2 win over the Dodgers on Thursday. Remember the first game that these two teams played that saw Jorge Mateo and, er- and, and Santana uh, getting upset, Irvin Santana getting upset at each other or whatever? That was incredible like them just barking at each other the Orsillo and they're gonna fight that whole thing and it's just amazing it's just amazing and it shows you how quickly uh the Padres can shift everything that we need to remember even if the Padres lose this upcoming two-game series against the D-backs say they lose both of those games right they have an off day today and then they have Tuesday and Wednesday and then another off day before taking on San Fran uh even if that were to happen you still have to remember, 13-13 team, bottom line is everything can change really quickly. The Oakland A's this year started off like 0-6, and then they won 12 games in a row. And they're just absolutely on fire. Matt Olson looking like an MVP candidate. A lot of their pitchers just performing really well. And my thing is this, you know, the Padres, even though they've lost a bunch of games that you wish they could do better... There's still all these things on the team to be excited about with a really great bullpen. I know he had some blow-ups with the aforementioned uh, Neil Ramirez yesterday, and then you had the blow-up of um, Pierce Johnson on Saturday's game, which ended up being, unfortunately, the loss. And even in that loss, it was exciting with Grisham coming up to potentially tie the game. He doesn't get it done. A four-strikeout game for him, which wasn't great. But bottom line, great bullpen pitching, great starting pitching. And unfortunately, Tommy Pham, I didn't mention Tommy Pham, did leave yesterday's game injured uh, after running out a ground ball. He was diagnosed with left calf tightness. It's not clear yet whether he'll uh, miss additional time. We'll update you on that as of right now when I'm recording this uh, on this Monday afternoon. Uh, no update on that just yet. And I know some people were making jokes like, oh, wow, they're going to be better now. I actually think that fam, who had some clutch hits, by the way, 
this past weekend. Had an RBI single. Like I think that that guy is hopefully going to start uh, coming around into form. Uh, and it stuck sucks really badly to see him get injured right now. Bottom line is this team is really talented. Don't freak out, everybody. Even if they lose these next two games. And I'm excited for these next two games because I'm going to also be talking with Miller Thomas of Locked On Diamondbacks, who is high on life right now, ladies and gentlemen. Eduardo Escobar is back. My arch nemesis, Matt Bumgarner, threw a technicality no-hitter going seven innings, seven innings yesterday because it was a doubleheader. Uh, so he technically pitched the whole game for a no-hitter. But whatever. Doesn't count the same. I don't care. Um... Very excited, nonetheless, though, to talk with Millard about this upcoming two-game set. And, honestly, then I might have to have Ben Kaspik on the podcast, too, because the Giants, I swear, me and Ben are the only people that thought the Giants could be pretty good this year. And it's still early, like I said, I was just explaining that, how quickly things can change, but I really do think that that Giants team... It is the island of misfit toys. Yes, you have Buster Posey, but it's all these weird players, one-year contract players. You have Mike Yastrzemski, who's like really old, considering how little he's been uh, playing at the major league level. He's 30 years old already. Uh, just still a very weird team, but a team definitely to be taken seriously. NL West, some people may say best division in baseball could be true and also some other news by the way that just broke as I was literally recording this podcast crazy crazy stuff Jeff Bridrich the GM for the Colorado Rockies resigned after a really tumultuous offseason he has resigned his uh position there uh wow wow um, I don't really have an immediate reaction to that other than saying, all right, I, you could argue that the worst GM in Major League Baseball, that he is now gone. And I wonder what this means in terms of guys like Herman Marquez, maybe even Ryan McMahon, and of course, Trevor Story. Are those guys going to now be definitely on the block with new leadership there? I don't know. I don't know, but it certainly is interesting. So yeah, guys, those are my four main takeaways of the uh, from this weekend series, Padres v. Dodgers. Uh, they, we have to wait a long time until we get our next matchup with them. Unfortunately, we have to wait all the way until June, and specifically June 21st, so middle of June, so it's like two months from now. Uh, which is unfortunate, and I know a lot of people around baseball are a little bit disappointed that they wish that there could be more. I Make every game of the season Padres and Dodgers. Just do it, MLB. Do it, Rob Badford, you coward. Um, so one last time, just to say the four main takeaways I have from this weekend series. You Darvish, still good, don't worry. Ryan Weathers has earned himself some more extra uh, time and opportunities, maybe even possibly in the starting rotation. Fernando Tatis Jr. has indeed entered back into Sage mode. And lastly, isn't it amazing how quickly the momentum can shift in a season? It's almost like baseball, the sport of baseball, is still, in fact, baseball. Guys, it's how it works. And with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. And if, while you're at it, if you wouldn't mind sending me some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcasts app, I'd greatly appreciate it. And when you do send that, send a question. After you put your review, and I might answer that on the show. That's a little gimmick to get you guys to give me five-star reviews, I guess. But anyway, uh, remember to do that. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My Friday Faithful homies, take care.